Hello, and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and today, Mike Sherritt is going to share with us a little bit about dealing with difficult people. How's it going, Mike? Doing well, Winston. Good to be with you today. Good to be with you as well. And look, Mike, I think every single person right now, when they heard the words difficult people, somebody flashed into their minds. For you, it was me, and I'm sorry (laughs) for that. But... uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, lies. I was thinking sin, of Mike. four other people, though. <laughs> so this is actually, I mean, we're we're joking about it, but it is a serious topic, and I think why it's funny is because of how true it is. We constantly struggle with, man, that person just rubs me the wrong way. And so, can you talk to us a little bit about? Does the Bible even say anything about difficult people? Yes, the Bible says things about difficult people because we are all difficult people. Yeah, it holds a mirror to us, right? Exactly. You know, we do, when we think that, like you saw the title, right? Dealing with difficult people. We're all thinking of someone because we're having a difficulty with them. Sometimes they don't even know that we're having a difficulty with them, right? And so difficult people are everywhere because we are everywhere. Uh, But dealing with difficult people must be navigated with a biblical understanding of God and ourselves. And you really have to start there. First and foremost, God is perfect. He is holy. He is sovereign. He is good. He is great. So God is perfect, and we have to understand that first. Secondly, we have to understand that we're all difficult due to the fall. We are sinful, and we really need to be more self-aware. I know I need to be more self-aware. When we are kind of focused on a difficult person in our life, it's very easy to get myopic and really to see all their faults and all the warts, right? And then we don't see good things about them. And again, we're all difficult due to the fall. We don't even know how difficult we are in people's lives. And what we're called to do is examine our own hearts, repent of our own sin, and seek peace and reconciliation with other people. And so you've got to work through this idea of there are difficult people in your life. And you know, this is part of life. Where people are involved, there will be difficult people. Really, it comes down to self-examination first, right? We have to figure out if we are the problem and we're the actual difficult person. It's the whole speck in the eye versus plank in the eye distinction, right? I think so. And here's the thing, when there's someone in our life that is causing us some internal difficulty, or maybe it's even external, we don't stop and say, well, let me evaluate this and let me, you know, so the things I'm saying today, we really have to learn to take a step back and and not judge right away and not be judge and jury. Because what happens is we look at a person and say, well, they're difficult. And then we start building our case against them. And we start putting them under a microscope, but we're only seeing the bad things. Hmm. I've done this so many times, and I have been so unfair in my judgment in that regard. And I think one question you could ask yourself is, so what about this person is difficult? Hmm. You know, and why do they bug me so much? Why do they get under my skin? And a lot of times it's something about me. It's something about my perspective. Now, sometimes they are just a difficult person. You know, there's certain people that are difficult to a lot of people. Well, that's low-hanging fruit, okay? You should be you know, more compassionate towards them because hurting people hurt people. Difficult people make difficulties. And so I guess I would just ask, you know, like, how different are they from the people I like? You know, there's people I like. I have no problem with them. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. What is it that's causing me 
to not give this person the benefit of the doubt. Interesting. Yeah, I resonate so much with that because that sounds so typical, right? Like, oh, you, do you know what this person did? Like, they did mm-hmm. this, this, and this. And it's like, yeah, but why? Why did they do that? And why are you so eager to jump on that? Right, and we're not always aware of what we might have contributed to the situation. I think it's helpful to ask some pertinent questions like, what issue do I have with this person? Is it personal? Is it philosophical? Is it theological? And often what we do is we'll take a philosophical difference or a theological difference and make it personal, right? Or we will observe something about them or we hear that they said something or they do say something to us. And then again, we just, they get on our bad list. And that's not good because what happens is it's hard for us sometimes to take people off our bad list, even if they're being good. Yeah. And it really comes back to the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. This is an issue of forgiveness. And if we are truly to be Christians who live a life that has been forgiven, how can we not forgive people of really meaningless, silly things? It's really hard for us, but that perspective is what changes our hearts. God uses that to change our hearts. When I was a brand new believer, 1982, I remember stumbling upon Romans chapter 12 and it just changing my life because I I would read the chapter over and over again and just yearn to be like that because I knew I wasn't. And especially when you get to the part in verse 9, I'm going to read you these verses. I'm going to read verses 9 through 21. I think it's that important just to let the scriptures wash over us in this regard. Uh, Listeners, as you're thinking about a difficult person in your life, hear these words. And remember that they're based upon chapter 12, verse 1, which says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of everything we learn about God's grace and mercy and justification by faith in Christ in chapters 1 through 11, because of his mercies in Christ, we are to present our bodies, our our whole selves, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, our reasonable worship. It is only reasonable, it is only logical for us to present our entire being to God for his purposes. And then you get to verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And here's where it gets tough. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. 
Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And God wants us to take these words to heart. There's a reason why there are so many prohibitions in those verses. Do not do this, because we are prone to do that. And then when it tells us to do something, because we're prone not to do that. And so I, I think letting the scriptures wash over you, like Romans 12, 9 through 21, and say, what does God want me to do? What would God have me to do? What is the pleasing thing to do? What sin in my life do I need to overcome? What pride in my life do I need to overcome in order to do the thing that glorifies God and blesses that person? Yes, that difficult person. It's interesting because I think probably about 85% of the difficulties that we face are the the blame is on both parties probably or at least mm-hmm. you know shared in some way. And then there's there's that 15% where it's like, "Oh, Mike, you don't understand. This person is totally in the wrong." Mm-hmm. Right? So you talked a little bit about the the joint blame, but talk to me about that other 15% where it's look, they're in the wrong, Mike they need to come to me and apologize to me. They're the ones who are being difficult. There are times when that is exactly the case, and you've got to go to God in prayer and ask God to reveal anything that you are doing wrong, anything that I am doing wrong, anything that anything we're holding against them in a wrong way, any pride, again. Because remember, those verses I read in Romans 12, that's basically answering the question, what does a real Christian look like and do? What does a real Christian do? You know, what does a real Christian do? What does it mean to to look like and act like a real Christian? And you have to deal with difficult people beyond dismissing them or disrespecting them or defining them by your opinion of them. And even when they're outright wrong, you still need to start with, Lord, is it I? Where in my heart have I gone off the reservation? And I guess, you know, I would bring up a couple of things here that are very painful for us. First, we have to forgive. I mean, really, we have to forgive them before we ever go to them. Mm. It can't be, they need to apologize. I'm going to pray that God will make them apologize to me. And when they come crawling to me, I might forgive them. You really need to go in and say, I already forgive them. I'm already going to let them go for this. I'm going to repent of my own sins. Because remember what Romans 12 says, as far as possible, seek peace. Seek to be at peace. So the first thing I would say is pray for them. You know, after you examine your own heart, pray for them that God would change their heart. And even pray that God would show you maybe where you're wrong about how you've judged them. Now, if they're outright wrong and you are dreading going, I mean, I've said this lots of times, if you can't wait to go set them straight, don't do it. If you're dreading talking to them about this, you probably should go because now you're fearing God, you're reverencing God, you're you're in the right spot, you're going to confess your own sins, you're going to look to yourself, you're not going to go in proud, and you're going to go and speak truth to them, and really objective truth, not the subjective opinion. So sometimes you need to have a meeting with someone, and it can't be where you go talk to a lot of people first, and we kind of dealt with some of this in the gossip podcast, Mm -hmm. but where you go and you, you keep it between you and them. And let's say they really did something against you. This is Matthew 18. You go and, and you talk to them, you reprove them in private. And if they listen to you, if you make up, if, if everything goes well, then that needs to stay right where it is. It needs to be between the two of you and God. And so speak truth to them. 
and avoid speaking about them in negative ways. And I think that would be the most important thing I would say about this is that if they truly have done something wrong, you have a couple choices. You're going to let it go, forbear. Okay, Forbearance is underrated. But forbearance is good. If you can say, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to leave it at the foot of the cross. I'm going to trust God to make all things right, right? Uh, Tozier said this, that one day everything will get its true price tag and real worth will come into its own. And the idea that all the things that were unjust in this world will be made right one day. And if we can live with that knowledge and forbear, that's great, do it. But if you can't and you need to go speak with them and you can't let it go, you've got to do it with a humble heart. You've got to do it seeking their good not to set them straight and not to prove you're right. Hmm. It's so, everything that you just said is really, it comes back to the gospel, right? Yes. Like, I've already made this point once, but like, really, I don't think we grasp how much God has forgiven us and how much that is supposed to model how we deal with difficult people, right? Mm -hmm. If God is waiting for us to come and ask forgiveness for every single thing that we have wronged him, we are doomed. Right. If I fully grasp that God has forgiven me my cosmic treason against him and my blasphemy and my my sin that deserves his wrath, and he has he has replaced that with Christ's righteousness. And if God has given me eternal life in Christ, then I should be running to forgive anyone who ever wrongs me or that I think wrongs me. But our nature is such that we like to keep track and we like to keep score and we have a little scorecard and we have to be continually reminded of the gospel truth. Like you said, the gospel needs to be what we are reminding ourselves of so that we respond to people in appropriate ways and we glorify God. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Mike. That is the truth, right? And I think if we can grasp the gospel more, if we let that sink deeper into our hearts, difficult people aren't going to seem as difficult anymore. So I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this issue. Thanks, Winston. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. We love getting topic suggestions or maybe how these different things have affected your life. We love hearing about that. So send us an email. But if not, we hope that you'll join us next Thursday as we remain faithful, even in the ordinary.